guys doing all right? Good, good. We're going to get into the Word real soon. Hey, I heard um, uh, car parks, the car park was full. Yeah, so sorry about that. If you had to walk in the sun, um, you got a tan. That's the good news. Um, but, but in future, we do have our parking down Tradelink Drive. So if the car park's full, you can park down Tradelink Drive. It is a short walk, but it is uh, doable. So, hey, uh, also one more thing I want to I wanna talk about. Um, our, our kids' ministry is exploding, right? Uh, is that good news? Yeah. Absolutely. It's amazing news. Our kids' ministry is growing, is exploding. Um, it is great to speak into our children. So I want to encourage you, uh, particularly if you're a parent in the house, if you want to get involved just at once a month to be part of that, to minister to the kids, it will actually help you to partner with our kids' ministry to speak Christ over your children. All right? So I want you to consider that. Just once a month, being part of that, uh, and, and, and that'll help our kids' ministry as well. Um, if you're assistant, there's no uh, prep work or anything, and there's just 12 times a year, and that would help uh, the team out and will help you out in uh, raising your kids with Christ, uh, with a Christ-centered perspective. So think about that. Katie would love to speak to you. We chatted about it during the week. We're going to get straight into our series. It's called Winning the Struggle Within. It's based on Romans chapter 7 and 8. We've been going through the book of Romans, as you know. And we are now looking at the Apostle Paul's comments about his inner struggle. He says, what I, don't, what I want to do, I don't do that, but what I don't want to do, I end up doing that. And he's a bit exasperated about it. He's like, why do I act this way? I've got this internal struggle happening. And then his solution for it at the end of chapter 7, this is by way of recap, is that thank God for the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that I may be set free. And last week, we looked at walking in the Spirit, and we talked about how the Holy Spirit brings power. Our, our life, our Christian walk is not just merely rules, commands, and regulations. It's actually walking in power. If you missed that, you can see it online. I think it was a really important message to remind us that we are not here for just behavior modification. But today, we're going to be talking about the Spirit giving us identity. Identity is a very hot topic in our society, isn't it? In our culture. People identifying as all sorts of different things. And so we're going to be speaking about identity, and we're going to look at what the Bible says about our identity as human beings and who we are called to be. And we're going to read from... Romans chapter 8, we're spending a lot of time in chapter 8, and it's taken me a long time to go through Romans, but that's because chapter 8 is amazing, and Romans is just a dense book, a dense book. It's like, I liken it to mud cake, you know, mud cake, it's so dense, you can only eat so much at a time uh, with, with cream and ice cream, preferably, and heat it up for 30 seconds in the, in the, in the microwave. That's how I like it. We've gone off topic. Let's get back into the Word of God. Let's pray before we get into it, hey? Father, I just ask for your inspiration. I need your help, Father. God, I pray that 
all our hearts would be open to hearing your word and that you would speak through your spirit directly to us. Bring freedom, bring understanding, bring your fire. Burn away what is not good. Strengthen what remains and let it flourish so that you would be honored and this world may be better. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. We're going to be reading from Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And it says, As those who are led by the Spirit of God are children. Everyone say children. children. Children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption. Everyone say adoption into sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is a statement of close, loving relationship. A lot of people liken it to Daddy. The relationship we have between God and us is, is one of closeness. It's not, dear Father, right? It's not formal. It's colloquial. Hey, Dad, I'm in trouble here. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Our identity as people who follow God is found in Jesus Christ. We are children of God. That's where our identity comes from. But what if we were not, or we were part of the secular society that we live in? Where does our identity come from then? So I've got a little bit of a prop. I'm going to get um, uh, Les and a couple, a couple of the guys just to grab that, grab that board over there and, and to walk it over. Um, that would be great. And we're going to talk a little bit about identity. Just pretend for a second that you are not in church but you're in a secular classroom, and we are talking about what gives us purpose, how we identify ourselves as people. Like, what are we about? Who are you? Who are you? So, that'd be great. Thank you. It's fine there. Who are you? Remember, we're going to say we're, we're, we're in the classroom for Australians, all right? We're secular. We don't actually believe in God. We know what God says. God says that we, uh, I'm just, I'm not going to write sons of God here because it's too long. I'm just going to put uh, a little cross. That's our identity. That's who we are. We're sons and daughters of God. But if you weren't a Christian, you weren't a God-fearing person, where would your identity be? come from? What would you look to say, this I am, this is who I am. I am a, come on, yell it out. I didn't hear that. <laughs> Australian, okay, nationality, all right, I like it. We're getting started. What else? A what? Okay, you're talking about your job, my man, okay. Job. What else? Sorry? 
Okay, all right. So how, how, can, we, uh, how can we frame that for everyone? Um, status? What, relation? What, how, how will we say that? Role? Role. Okay. All right, what else? How will we identify ourselves? Sports. Okay, so how about we say um, like whole, holistically uh, talent? Hobbies and talents. All right, let's go. Stop it. Stop. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about next Sunday. Well, I have the South Africans on one side and the Kiwis on the other. Hobbies and what did we say? Talents. All right. Yeah, you identify. Okay, cool. What else do we identify? People identify in our culture with. What, what else? Gender. Ooh. Oh, gender identity. You want to go there. Right, okay. <clears throat> All right. Gender it is. What else? Ooh, okay. You know, some people are known because they're billionaires. Like, they, they're known because they're rich, right? Okay, so we're just going to... Everyone knows what that is, right? What else? What else? What else? How about sexuality? Oh, what are you going to say? My man. Okay, there you go. Hey, I mean, the kids have got it all over us, right? They know, like, people identifying all sorts of things. Crazy, you know, I went to high school tw 20 years ago, and it's just different now. All right, so we're going to go sexuality. I'm going to be selling this, ch uh, this shirt after church as well, you know, auction. <laughs> you, like, you like my artwork? Okay. What else? What else? How about appearance? Hey, I'm going to say beauty. Beauty, all right. What else? Come on, peoples. Sorry? That's a good one. All right. There's a, there's a lot there's a lot here. That's great. There's a whole bunch of things that we can build our identity our identity around. And to be honest with you, most of us that's how we live. Like this is the thing that is important certainly if we are not in the Lord. If we're looking for identity, we can either base it on God. Now, it's not like these things aren't important to us, by the way, as Christians. I mean, they should be important to us. We should, you know, uh, you know love people, our loved ones, and um, that's meant to be a love heart. That, that, you know, that's meant to be a dollar sign. We, we, that we do should care about our finances. There are things, but they're not central. They can't, they shouldn't be central to who we are. Now, as a side note, I think it's really important to understand a little bit about our culture to say that when we are talking to people that have their life built around a particular identity, gender identity, sexual identity, whatever it is, right? We've got to understand that we're speaking to someone with a different worldview than what we have. And when we say things like, God loves the sinner but hates the sin. No, well, that's not a controversial a statement if you're a Christian or if you have a Christian worldview. What we're actually saying is like, look, we're all children of God, yeah? All of us. It doesn't matter if you are, if you are a non-Christian, you still bear the image of the maker. We are all made in the image of God. And so what we're saying is, look, you got some stuff 
that is not in line with how God would have you to live, have you live. And therefore, that sin, God loves you, but He doesn't like the sin, right? What they hear, if they build their life around a particular identity, whether it be their sexuality or gender or something like that, they hear that God doesn't love me because that's who I am. They built their identity around that. Are you with me? You say one thing, they receive another. You know, some of these communities that, or some of these identities that are built are, are like religions. They have their own little communities, and the communities give their members significance, gives them belonging, and it gives them purpose. That's a religion. It's like a little god. It's what the Bible would call idolatry. When we take anything and place it at the center of who we are, other than God, that represents idolatry. And at the very center of who they are, when you build your life around something that is not God, and your identity is not around... So, so what happens here is that when someone comes against that, they're not just coming against part of you, they're coming against who you are as a person because you based your identity on it. Do you understand what's going on in our world? It's a matter of identity. That's why certain communities and certain groups, when you talk about sin, they actually don't just want tolerance. They want you to affirm their lifestyle because it's who they are. It's their identity. Okay, so now that we understand how identity works in our culture, Let's take a sidestep into the Bible and see what, who God has called us to be and to identify. And we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about how this works. It's really important. Like people are identifying as all sorts of things. There's a lot of confusion happening in our culture. There's a lot of confusion happening in our world. I was listening to a podcast this week. And it's a, it's a famous guy in America. And he said his daughter... At, when she was 13 years old, started to wear wolf suits and stuff. And he's like, oh, he's going through a stage. It's cool. And then she came out and she said, I identify as a wolf. And so he did what any father would do. He's like, okay, sure. You can be a wolf. Packed up everything, including a tent, put her out in the woods. Gave her a phone and said, call me when you want to stop being a wolf. Called her 8 o'clock that night. Called him called up. Because, okay, I want to come home. Okay, I got her, got her. She got all the stuff together, threw it out. Didn't want to be a wolf anymore. Now, now that sounds crazy. We're all laughing. We're rolling our eyes. But there is so much confusion in this world about who we actually are. And there's only so much you can actually feed into a culture about saying that you actually were made by mistake. We are here by accident. There's no difference between you and the animals. You're just more highly evolved. There's no purpose to life. There's only so much you can feed into a culture before the reaction is, okay, I will make my own purpose. I will make my own meaning. I will live my own life any old way I like to. I will form my own identity. And so the confusion that we have in this world really is when we've turned away from an understanding of who we are. And that's a lesson for us as Christians, right? We're not here speaking into people to change their behavior, we're about identity transformation. Behavior comes from identity. We don't go tell everyone you've got to change. No, we speak Christ. 
Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. He has come for a purpose. He has given us a meaning to life. There is something that He has called you to do. And when there is identity built, behavior changes in accordance with that identity. You know, if I have a child, and certainly we will not have any more, but, you know, the children that we did have, the children that we did have, you would expect them, here we go, here's one that may be controversial for you in, in our culture, you would expect them to be human, right? Because they reproduced after us, our identity. We will reproduce who we believe that we are. And there is a lot of confusion in our world right now about identity. So let's go into the Word and see what God tells us we are through the words of the Apostle Paul. For those who are led by the Spirit, the Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We are children of God. This talks about origin. Where did we come from? This talks about purpose. Why are we here? We're here as His children. Like I said before, you know, we've, we've, we've spent the last hundred or so years as a culture talking about how we are a cosmic accident. There's no cosmic purpose. And the result is a culture that we have now where there's so much confusion for young people particularly trying to find out what is their purpose and what is their meaning in life. I want to say to you, especially if you're a younger person here, a young adult, you are not an accident. You were intended. There is purpose on your life. It is not arbitrary. You are made with a particular agenda, with a particular purpose in mind, and God has intended you for a reason. You are children of God. You are not wandering like a, like a little cork in the sea trying to find who you are. That's not the case. You were, burn, you were born, you were built, you were made with purpose. That is the biblical story. That we are, we are intended, we belong to His family. Let's keep reading. Verse 16, verse 15. The spirit that you receive does not make you slaves so that you are in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoptions to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. What's Paul's? Paul's using a, a juxtaposition here. The relationship between a slave and a master is one of fear. The relationship between us and God is one of sonship, by which we say, Abba, Father. There is an identity that will make us slaves. These are, many, these are gods with small g's. When you build your life around anything other than God, capital G, it actually becomes a God. You worship it. You find your significance in it. You find your belonging in it. You're part of this community that seeks it, whether it be money or... And you, there's, there's, there, a lot of these um, communities have an activist uh, uh, part to it because we all need purpose as well. 
They literally act like religions. And I'm not having a go at anyone. I'm just saying this is the, this is the world that we live in. And sometimes as, as Christians, we misinterpret it and we're talking about behavior, this wrong and that's wrong. And what we need to be looking at is the identity. Do they understand that they, are, they have been given purpose? They have been bought with a price. They have been made intentionally. Do we understand that? We've been given identity as sons and daughters of God. And when we hand that over to these demigods, the God of sex, the God of money, the God of appearance and beauty, I mean, that, that God's a terrible God. Because the first time you get you know, wrinkles in your eyes, you're going to be shattered. It's true. These, these gods are hard taskmasters. And a master makes you a slave. But the Word tells us, Paul is telling us that God has not made you slaves. The Spirit of God does not draw you into a master relationship and makes you a slave. No, you are free in Christ. So when we talk about freedom, we're talking, everyone's got masters, man. You just got to choose your master. When we see you're free, you are free in Christ, we are free from this. We are free to worship and live out who we are, sexuality, our financial, uh, uh, who we're called to be, all in the will and the purpose of God, as children of God. We can choose sex as a master. We can choose God's way and enjoy sexuality as He intended it to be. We can choose money as a master, or we can choose God's way and understand that it is a tool to be used for us to live successfully and to honor God. We can choose success as a master. And how much will you pay for it? What will you be willing to give to your God of success? It's a harsh master. But our Father in heaven says, come. Come. There's relationship. There's relationship here. Can I speak to just the young people, the young adults for a second? The teenagers... Maybe some of you are, you know, you're paired off. Some of you have a dream partner in mind. When you make that partner the center of your world, you're preparing yourself for devastation. What you're doing is you're finding your purpose, you're finding your significance, and the fact that you belong in that relationship. That's not a good way to be. No one person can bear the weight of your entire soul. That's, that's, not, that's not what they were made to do. But when we place Jesus at the center, and we find our significance, we find our, our need for security and belonging and purpose and significance in Him, then all of a sudden we are open to a healthy exchange of love where we can both serve God together. Young people again. Because it's a tough world that you're growing up in. If you're so influenced by your peer group, you know, individuality is highly valued in our society. You know, to be an individual, I'm, I'm doing my thing. But it seems that the only way to fit in is when you're doing what everyone else wants you to do. If your peer group 
defines your actions. You're actually a slave to your peer group. They master you. When you find true individuality and find out who you are is when you are aligned with the will and the purpose of God. You find your significance. You find your purpose. You find your belonging in His family. And you are free. You are free to be an individual. You are free to enjoy relationships. And that may mean that there's some people that you don't fit in with. And that's okay. I'm going to be talking a little bit about that in time to come. Identity, it's a big thing in our world today. Verse 17, now if you are children, then we are heirs. I'm going to say heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, co-heirs with Christ. If you're wondering what purpose we are, li- we are to live with, okay, we have been given a demonstration through the work of Jesus Christ. You know, we, um, we've just had a, a new king coronated. King Charles. He's an heir of, no, King, not King Charles. It is King Charles. Yeah, sorry. You laughed. I, I thought I made a mistake. Yeah, don't do that again. <laughs> King Charles. It is King Charles. Next time I'll trust myself, back myself. Um, so, so he comes from a long line of monarchy right? He's an heir. And with that responsibility, uh, with that inheritance comes responsibility, but also privilege. He's got his role defined by his mom and by her dad and his dad and going all the way back. He's an heir. Now, King Charles can't go decide, I'm going I'm I'm to be changing up things a little bit around here. You know, uh, I, want, I want the monarchy to be, you know, um, what, what can I say? We, we, wanna, we don't want to be a monarchy anymore. We want to be an entertainment industry. We, we want to go, we want to be, you know, we want to be like Netflix. Like, you, you can't do that because he's an heir. He has certain things built into him. He's, he has a, an identity, a purpose that has been handed down to him over the generations. And there's privilege with that, but there's also responsibility. Like that, we've been given a responsibility. The text says, we are children, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. Now, what does it mean to be an heir of God? Jesus came and lived and showed us exactly what that looks like. He says, do this. This is God's purpose. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. We've been given purpose through the work of God. Of Jesus Christ. So in the small scripture, this little small passage rather, Paul covers some pretty deep um, thoughts that are so important. Perhaps it wasn't as important in his culture, but it's certainly important in our culture. We are sons of God. They, they were important in his culture for different reasons. In his, in his culture, the only ones that were called sons of God were the kings, were the people in high and powerful positions. But he says, no, 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 we are all, we are all, we are all connected with God. We are sons of God. We have purpose, we have significance because of that. And we have, we have a purpose to live out. Now, we've, uh, we've covered a fair bit so far, so I want to uh, take a little bit of a sidestep and, you know, talk, uh, talk about this, not theoretically, but in, it, it puts some humanity on it, so to speak. 
The deepest battles that we face are internal battles associated with identity. Why am I here? What is life about? What am I meant to be doing? Is my life significant? Where do I belong? What, what is the purpose? What is the meaning of all of this? We just read here, if indeed we are, in, in verse 17, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we also share in His glory. Hey, some, sometimes the, the, this world is filled with suffering. Why? I was actually going to preach on suffering today, but then I got stuck, you know, just couldn't get there. It's just too much. I, I had to spend more time on identity. We'll get, we'll get there next, next, uh, next time. Why? Why all this? Like, what's the point of all of this? These are some deep questions. Ever felt insecure? You know, when someone else does well, someone else gets a promotion, someone else is, I don't know, more talented, better looking, I know how to believe. But have we looked at someone else and thought, man, wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> you know, it's not fair. What about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough. I want my share. Someone should write a song about that. There's an old King James word for this. It's called malice. It means when you see someone else doing well, you feel a little bit bad. No one, no one here feels that, I'm sure. Bunch of saints in the house. There's an identity issue when we look at other people's success and we feel negative. It's an identity issue. The Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. But when we see someone rejoicing, sometimes we feel like mourning because <laughs> we didn't get what they got. It's an identity issue. We all know what that feels like. But look at our co-heir, Jesus. When he lived in this world, it was like, man, he had a job to do and he didn't really care, did he? Like he mixed with the great people that didn't intimidate him. He mixed with the poor people that didn't, he wasn't too good for that. He mixed with the most intellectual elite and he told them what to think. And then he said, let the children come to me. He, he, was, he was just like a renegade. He, he, was, he was okay with power. He was okay with those who, who, who didn't have influence. This ego that, you know, we seem to carry around, it just didn't, didn't seem to be there. He, was, he had this freedom, this freedom from convention. Like, I don't know, the, the chosen has scarred me a little bit. I just always see Jesus as a hippie now. You know, it didn't help that that guy who acted as Jesus then went and did that other Christian movie, The Revolution, where he was a hippie. But there's this, there's this sort of freedom with Jesus. is not looking at, oh, what's a person, what's a, where, where am I, how did I status? And there's this like, I'm going to be doing the will of God, and I'm going to be free of what everyone else thinks. There are... Identity issues when we can look at other people and feel, ah, oh, how about me? Ever feel like you didn't fit in? Didn't belong? Hard to get into that 
group of people, peers, friends, high school? How much do we want people to like us and how much of ourselves are we willing to give away for it? There's an identity issue when we cave, when we crave the applause of people. You know, Jesus, our co-heir, who told us how to live, was okay with not being welcome in certain circles. It was all right. He also, he didn't, he didn't crave people's, people's applause for his self-worth. There was this one time where Jesus was like, uh, if you don't eat my, eat, my, eat my flesh or drink my blood, you're not, you're, not, uh, you're not part of me. And a whole bunch of people just left. And Jesus, being Jesus, turned to his disciples and go, do you want to leave as well? And you're like, Jesus, settle down. <laughs> this is not the way you build a movement. <laughs> okay? We know, I read the book, we know that you didn't actually mean eat my flesh, drink my blood. Like, it's figurative. Why don't you just say that so the people will stay? Apparently, he didn't care. He was okay with losing a few people. He had a purpose to live. You know, I, I, you know every now and again, I'll get an email from someone. Some of them haven't even come to our church. And it'll give me a year full. <laughs> Just because they can. We had a review. Well, our first one-star review on, on, on Google was really annoying. It was painful. Bethany and I were like, you know, uh, we don't normally read reviews. We don't really care. But, you know, it was a one-star review popped up. And the review goes, what, what did it say? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I haven't been to your church, but I don't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Carry on then. <laughs> now that review lives. We don't have five-star reviews anymore. We've got like 4.98, whatever it is. People want to have a go, and it's it, it just, like, if you're living in the light of what people think about you, you'll never accomplish your purpose. That's an identity issue, guys. It's an identity issue when you don't get enough likes on your Facebook post, and then you feel sad about it. It's an identity issue when you look at your, your, your neighbors, and they got that new car, and you don't, and you feel a little bit less. It's an identity issue. It's an identity issue when you feel like you're missing out because, you know, you haven't met that special person yet or whatever, and it's something less. No, we are sons. We are daughters of God. We are embowed with value. We have significance because we are made by our Creator, and we are given purpose. You are you, and you are valuable because you have the fingerprints of the Most High God all over you. Now, let's do something with it. Let's live free. Let's live purposefully. Let's bring all these things that war inside us into subjection to the will and the purpose of God. Where is your identity? Purpose. This drive within us to make our life count for something is valid. But when we continue looking at others and their success, comparing it to ourselves, we look back in disappointment. We feel like we've missed out. There is an identity issue. You know, before the supernatural work of God through His Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead, Jesus actually didn't look that successful. 
He was 33 years old, died on the cross pretty young, in awful circumstances. But we know this, that all things work for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to a purpose. You do not yet see the purpose of the life that you have lived. Even though you may look back and go, well, God, why? Why did this happen? Why did that relationship break down? Why, why did this the financial hardship? Why has why this happened in my body? Why, why is this? Why, why, why? How come? Why? You're a son and daughter of God. And He will make all things good. One day He will wipe away every tear. All things will be made right. We find our identity in the person of Jesus Christ. We are children of the Most High God. You know, sometimes we like to think that this journey that we are on is like a little tick list, you know? Um, we got saved, got baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, identity issues sorted out, living in the fruit of the Spirit, dealt with anger, you know, carry on. How many of you know that our walk of spiritual growth or sanctification, the Christian word, is not like that? <laughs> I sorted it out, it's all done. It's more like, you know, I don't know, a birthday. You know, you, you, go, you go in the circle, you come back, and hopefully that day comes around and you do a little, I don't know, a little bit of evaluation and you're wiser, you're smarter, you've dealt with a few other things, you're a little bit more free. But there's still stuff to sort out. This is the walk. It's been my experience that these things don't just go away when you get older or when you re lead, uh, reach some level of ethereal superiority in your calling or whatever. It doesn't go away. That's what Paul talks about, this internal struggle. He says, what I don't want to do, I end up doing. I know I shouldn't feel bad, but I, I feel a little bit insecure. I feel, I feel like I don't belong. There's, there's, these, there's these things that, that are war within us. And if you think, oh, you know, I'm a Christian, I don't feel that. Okay, well, let me just read from you from, from, from James chapter, chapter 4. Remember, he's talking to Christians. He goes, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet and you cannot get well, what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you will spend what you get on your own pleasures. He's talking to Christians. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to journey with us through that, to bring us into alignment with our true identity. My son will always be my son. That, that'll never change. He might do some things that I don't like. He might think a different way to what I think. But he'll always be my son. We're sons of and daughters of God. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is pointing out in your heart and in your life. Where does your identity lie? Who are you really? Who, who? I ask myself. God is speaking to me this week. Kim, where does your security, where does your purpose, where does your significance, because we all, the, the need to be significant is very real. It is very real. But if we misplace that, 
on the demigod, we find ourselves as slaves. All these things that we need are to be found in the heart of God. And then we are free. You see, Christianity talks about freedom. Freedom, that's what it's talking about. You're free. Paul talks about freedom. And people look at Christianity and they go, oh, it's a bunch of rules, I can't do this. No, no, no. You're missing the point. You are free from being a slave. You're now son and daughter of God, now live free. Live in accordance with His will, His purpose for your life. Flourish. Have relationships. Make money. Build businesses. Do beautiful things. Make art. But don't let any of these things take this place because they're harsh masters. I don't know what God is saying to you. But if the Holy Spirit is working in your life and if you believe in Christ, He is. He's in your heart and in your life. And He's calling you into sonship. He's calling you into daughtership to partner with you so you can go to Him as your, fa as, as your Father. I want to give us a moment. Perhaps God has spoken into your heart and you need to do some business with God. Just a few minutes. Why don't you pray? Why don't you bring these things? Go, God, there's this stuff. Sin, it's identity issues. We're finding our satisfaction in something other than God.